I believe we're starting the sermon with a picture. Are we? Good, I can't see it, so I'm just going to trust you. I returned last week from Indianapolis, Indiana, and this was the altar for the National Gathering of the United Church of Christ, where we were talking about making all things new. As you can see, it is a very beautiful garden. It's beautiful, isn't it? And, and I show this picture to you because this picture came to mind because today we're talking about the parable of the sower. And all of this beauty in this garden came from seeds, right? And seeds play a major role in this parable. Now, this parable that Kiko just read has two distinctions. One is the very first parable that Jesus ever said. And it holds a second distinction in that it's the only parable out of all the parables that Jesus shares in the gospel that actually Jesus explains. The rest he leaves up to you. So, parables were around well before Jesus' time. They were, they were short stories, they were allegories that had some kind of moral truth. But as Jesus had a way of always doing throughout his ministry, he had a way of turning everything on his ears. And parables were no, no exception. So Jesus would tell these parables to, to the audience, but they always revealed something that was surprising, something that was even shocking about who Jesus was, who God is, and what the reign of God is. And so I want to share two things that I find surprising, perhaps, in the parable. And I want to lift those things up to you today that I hope will be helpful for our living. The first thing I want to say in the parable that I see is that the sower is continually sowing. Whether it's on a seed falling on the path, whether it's falling on rocky ground, whether it's being thrown on, th on ground that is choked with thorns, the sower keeps on sowing, and Jesus offers no indication. This mic is going to get in my way, but bear with me. But it's all right, amen? Amen. amen. But th there's no indication in the text that Jesus, that, that the sower, who is Jesus in the story, ever stopped sowing, okay? Now why do, and I think that's not only surprising, I think that's a good thing, and this is why. We human beings have a tendency of thinking about this parable kind of in the binary way that human beings think. We're always, every time I, this parable is often shared, it's like, well, am I the soil that, it's a, that is on the path? Am I the soil that is rocky? Am I the soil that is choked with thorns? Or am I the good soil? And we're always thinking we're either this one or that soil or that soil or that soil. This is what I want to say this morning. I think we're all those kinds of soil. Yeah. The, the landscape of our lives, we are all those kinds of soil. I could admit that. You know, there are times when we have the seed planted and this is what happens. The evil one comes. Let's face it, we're human. Let's face it, we blow it. 
Let's face it, we sin. Let's face it, we fall short of the glory of God. We just have those moments in our lives when we're not thinking about what God wants, but what we want. Anybody like that besides me? Amen. Those things happen. That's who we are. There are times when, when we are ground that is, is, is rocky ground. You know, we, we get, we, we're excited about God, we want to serve God, but then, as the text says, the heat is on, so to speak. Something happens, some, some trouble happens. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one happens. Maybe it's a medical crisis. Maybe we lost our job. Maybe, even because we believe in a certain way, we get persecuted for that. Those things happen, and those things can cause us to lose whatever has taken root in us and kind of uproot our faith and put us in a place where we are not to be. Anybody like that in the room? Anybody, anybody who, is there anybody who sometimes feel that their, their ground of their souls are choked with thorns? Jesus calls them in the parable the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth. In our, uh, in, our, in our confession today, we talked about being overwhelmed. That's what it's like. We're flooded on every hand. Watch MSNBC or, or Fox News, God help you. God bless you, I think. Uh, but watch the news. You get flooded by all this stuff. You get flooded by war. You get flooded by climate change. You get flooded by what we see going on in the world with respect to systemic racism and bigotry and everything. But then you don't have to even go far away. You can get flooded just trying to, trying to live every day, <laughs> just trying to make ends meet. When as Herbert Hoover said, you're trying to make ends meet, but somebody's out there moving the ends on you. That's what it's like to be choked with thorns. And Jesus knows that. I think that's what the parable is trying to get at. And so I want to say to you today that that's the soil, but that, uh, that's who we are. But Jesus tells this parable not necessarily to say who we are, but also to say who God is. And who God is in the person of Jesus Christ is the sower. And just because we might be one kind of soil, one kind of day, that doesn't stop Jesus from sowing the seed that God knows that we can bear as human beings. The sower is continually sowing. There's grace in that, isn't there? There's forgiveness in that, isn't there? There's mercy in that, isn't there? See, I believe that God, I hope you do too, is a God not only of steadfast love, but God is a God who loves us fiercely and relentlessly. And I believe that God doesn't stop sowing seed with us until we bear the fruit that God knows we're capable of bearing. In the words of the old hymn, God loves us, I think, with a relentless love that will not let us go. And just because, so I'm not worried, and you shouldn't worry. If you're one kind of soil today which ain't quite up to snuff, God is faithful enough, God is gracious enough, God is loving enough to keep on sowing a good thing in you. 
so that you can keep bearing the fruit that God needs for you to be. So the second thing I want to lift up in the, par in the parable today lies in the way that the sower is sowing the seed. Now, everybody in that crowd that Jesus spoke to would relate to everything he said about sowing a seed. They all were farmers. They farmed wheat, they farmed barley, they farmed grapes, they farmed legumes, they farmed anything they could. And that was the major source of income. So everybody would have known what Jesus was talking about when sowing a seed. And farming, but no farmer in their right mind would have farmed the way that sower would have farmed. I come from a family of tobacco farmers, all social commentary aside from Virginia. My grandfathers, both of them tobacco farmers, farmed in nice little rows, right? That you see, if you're like, if you're flying over the Midwest, you see the rows of nice little crops and everything. No farmer in their right mind would have sowed a seed and just threw it out on, rock, on the path or threw it out on rocky ground or threw it out on, on grounds with thorns they would never have done that. But here is this sower. Yeah. No blueprint. No proposal. No five-year strategic plan about the whole thing. The sower is just flinging it here and flinging it there and flinging it here and saying, right? Pat, you get seed. Rocky ground, you get seed. Thorns, thorny ground, you get seed. And yet, Despite the haphazard and random way the sower is sowing, they produce a harvest that's unimaginable. Any farmer in Jesus' day would have been happy for a twofold crop. They would have, the village would have been happy for a five-fold crop. Here Jesus is saying, oh no, when this seed goes and lands on good soil, you get 30, you get 60, you get 100-fold. That's unimaginable, but my friends, that's what the gospel can do when you plant it in good soil. Amen? It can yield something we never imagined. It can bring forth something we had never dreamed of. It can bring forth a new thing that not only bears fruit for the, for the soil where it's planted, but it can bear fruit for many. And it's clear from this story that the sower and the good soil is anywhere where the sower wants it to be. My friends, it's not the job of the church to determine what ground should get the seed and what ground should not. It's the job of the church to sow the seed, get out of God's way, and let the gospel do its thing. We've gotten it wrong as a church. We tended to farm the gospel of Jesus Christ in those nice little rows of all the gardens we see. We're in the Garden State, no doubt, in the summertime, where we're going to see those nice rows and eat the corn and the blueberries and the Jersey tomatoes and all that. But farming in that way is not the way the gospel needs to be farmed. It needs to go out wherever it needs to go. The church has gotten it wrong because we are using those human farming techniques when it comes to the gospel. You to know, you, how have we gotten it wrong? We've gotten it wrong as a church by declaring who and who God loves and who God doesn't love. 
We've got it wrong by being gatekeepers of who is in and who is out of the reign of God. We've got it wrong by deciding that only men can either speak in pulpits or serve in leadership roles in the church. We've got it wrong by determining who God fully embraces in the life of the church in the way of sexual orientation or gender identity. We've gotten it wrong when we say that immigrants from some countries are welcome in the United States and some countries are not. We've gotten it wrong when we firm the gospel in ways that doesn't let God just sow it. Friends of God, if we keep farming the way we, or keep sowing the seed in the way we humanly sow the seeds as a church, we can rest assured we're gonna keep on getting the harvest that we're gonna keep getting. And let me be clear, it's gonna fall way short of the harvest that God can produce. So friends, today is an invitation to participate with God in sowing a new thing, a new thing that's unheard of, a new thing that causes everyone to flourish around us, a new thing that is the harvest for the world. In the United Church of Christ, we have proclaimed the motto for many years that has said that God is still speaking. But the question before us as, not only as the United Church of Christ, but the question before us as the church is the same question that Jesus asked. Do we have ears? Not talking about the two organs on the side of your head, per se. I'm talking about do we have spiritual ears? Do we listen with the ears of our hearts? Do we listen with the ears of our minds? Do we listen with the ears of our souls? We have to ask this question because Jesus says it in the text. Let anyone with ears, <laughs> let them hear. So we have to ask the question, do we have ears? And what does that mean? That means we're not just hearing God's voice. It means we're listening to God's voice. There's a difference. Because most people can hear. But to listen means to pay attention and understand. And so the questions we have to ask ourselves as a church is, are we listening and trying to understand what God is saying? and where God is moving, and what is the new thing that God is trying to sow in us and in the world. We have to ask ourselves, are we paying attention to, and listening literally to the footsteps of God where God is trying to get to the place where God can sow a new thing? Are we listening to, this, to the extent that we can be there? Lastly, are we individually living as the church, individually and together in such a way that gives God commission, permission to sow? I just want to mention to you, I, I mentioned that the picture comes from our national gathering. These are some of the ways that the United Church of Christ is trying to discern where God is sowing a new thing. In this national gathering, in this general synod, we finally elected our first woman general minister and president. In that synod, we overwhelmingly passed a resolution calling on the United Church of Christ to develop a study on how the United Church of Christ can make reparations to African Americans harmed for centuries by slavery and racism. We 
We passed another resolution by a wide margin to affirm the dignity of transgender and non-binary persons in the life of the United Church of Christ. Important given that this year we've seen over 500 legislations in states uh, and 200 ones that are anti-LGBT and trans respectively. And lastly, we made an apology to our African-American congregations because these con there was a congregation of African-Americans who were part of our founding of our denomination in 1957, but they were mysteriously omitted from our founding. I don't think it was that mysterious, but that's what happened. And so we made an apology and said, we're, that we are a denomination that doesn't have four streams that came together to be the United Church of Christ. We have five streams that come together to be the United Church of Christ. And we made an apology to those African-American congregations and said, these are those on whom shoulders we stand today. Those are just some of the ways that the United Church of Christ is proclaiming that God is sowing a new thing. But let me tell you this. We can't do that alone in our national setting. We need everybody on deck to do that. We need all ears on deck, my friends, to hear what God is saying, to know where God is moving, to see where God is sowing. And once we have all those ears on deck listening for God, we need all hands off deck to do what God wants us to do. Amen? So may we have ears, my friends. May we have ears that listen for God's word. May we have ears that enable us to bear the fruit that God knows that we can bear so that everybody on the world can flourish. And may we have the ears that would bring forth an unimaginable, inconceivable, unheard of, undreamed of, huge bounty for the world. Let us pray. Holy One, sow your seed deep within us. May we not just hear your word, but may we understand it and be doers of the world, of your word, and reap a harvest for the world. We pray this through the sower who sows and continues to sow a new thing, Jesus the Christ. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen.